Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, Awaken. This morning we felt the need to maybe change the plan. Um, we've been in a series called Implication, where we've been looking at the book of Acts, and following the first followers of Jesus as they worked out what are the implications of the resurrection. And we just felt like this morning we needed to pause that, and so we're going to finish that next week in Acts 15. And this week, uh, we're going to spend some time doing something different, but actually is quite connected. If Jesus the Christ was resurrected from the dead, then the God and the story of the Bible is legitimate. And that God seems to be concerned with justice and what it looks like for things that are wrong to be put right, for the ways in which there is incongruency between the heart of God and the state of humanity and the world we live in, that God is interested in bringing those things, uh, put as, as one author says, putting the world to right. And so we want to create some space this morning to talk a little bit about and to um, maybe wrestle with some of the things that have happened in the last week in our community and in our country. In the past three months, um, the killings of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and most recently George Floyd seems to have created a context that as your pastor one of your pastors, I would be, uh, I can't overlook, and I, it would be a disservice to you to not uh, maybe change, change the plan. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we want <clears throat> to try to create uh, some space for us to wrestle with and to lean into what does it mean to lament and to be honest with our hearts and our our souls, our minds. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, and we're going to begin by uh, offering a song that was written by a friend of ours, friend of mine, Ben Rosenbush, um, first worship leader at Awaken. And it's a song entitled Eric Garner et al. So here's that. Heart breathe. 
needful fact is that Eric Garner worked for some time for the Parks and Recreation Horticultural Department, which means, perhaps, that with his very large hands, perhaps, in all likelihood, he put gently into the earth some plants which, most likely, some of them, in all likelihood, continue to grow, continue to do what such plants do, like house and feed small and necessary creatures, like being pleasant to the touch and the smell, like converting sunlight into food, like making it easier for us to breathe. Yeah. 
Um, before we give you a, a bit of space and time, I want to talk about the prophet and the lament. Um, the prophet <clears throat> in the Bible speaks on behalf of God. He or she exposes to the people these two competing narratives that are at play all around us all the time. Uh, one of these narratives assumes the absence of God and therefore the individual's pleasure, comfort, or gain is the highest good at all cost. This is one of the stories, one of the narratives. Uh, it is, as Walter Brueggemann says, self-invention in the pursuit of self-sufficiency. The other narrative is one that declares that Yahweh as the God of Yahweh is the God of the universe made known to us in Jesus and that we were made from love and for love that I am only free when I am free for the other that my greatest joy and delight and uh, completion as a human comes when I am bound in relationship to the other to the world that I live in and to God this is the role of the prophet, to expose these two narratives and the gap that exists between the two of them. The lament is the prayer for help coming out of the pain that is caused and exists when the world around us, or I, or you, believe this narrative, the dominant narrative, that, which declares me first at any cost. So the lament is the honest and gut-wrenching tension that exists between how it is and how it could be, or how it is and how it will be. When death and evil and violence seem to go unanswered and injustice seems to run rampant, enter the lament. And I think many of us, myself included, when we find ourselves in moments like this, whether it be this particular topic or conversation or others, uh, we ask, like, what should I do? Where do we start? Um, how, what do I do first? Which, if we're being honest, is a very uh, American, a very white response. What do I do? What can I, how can I fix it? And for a congregation that is majority white, I want to suggest that maybe that's not our first stop. If you've been around Awake and I've talked about this before, but our first response may not be action. Because action not informed by lament is dangerous. So to lament, to, to allow the cry, the brokenness, the anguish, the grief from the dissonance that exists between the world that we live in and the world as it should be or could be or that the kingdom of God invites us to participate in, that's the first response. Where we begin to name out loud and speak out loud our prayers, prayers that come out of deep pain and deep anguish and deep grief, prayers that come from a place of solidarity with those who suffer, which we can only pray if we're in solidarity with those who suffer. Prayers that come from the weight of injustice, which begs a question, like, can we feel the weight of injustice? 
Do we understand it? Do we comprehend it? Do we even see it when it exists in front of us? I don't think we can lament what we can't feel. And I don't think that we can feel what we've insulated ourselves from. And so part of today is an effort to, to not insulate ourselves, to not numb or deny or push away that which is all around us. But to wrestle with the tension that exists in our world between the narratives that the prophets remind us of. So in just a minute, Mel's going to play and create a space for us to maybe lean into for a bit some of that tension. And I want to encourage you not to run or not to fast forward this part of this morning's experience, but to sit with it, to sit in it. Um, I want to encourage you to notice, like, what's happening in my body? What's, uh, do you notice any tension or, like, places in your body constricting or releasing, opening up? Like, pay attention. The body keeps a score. So all these things that we experience, if we don't work them out, one author says, if we don't learn to metabolize them in the correct fashion or in a healthy way, they get stuck and they, they come out eventually sideways or in unhealthy ways. So notice like what's happening in your body. Can you name the lament? Um, now might be a time to grab a journal if you don't have it already. Can you give vo voice to your disappointment, your frustration, your anger, your madness, your sadness? Uh, and I wanna encourage you to not let God off the hook here. This is, uh, if we learn anything from the psalmist, we learn that they just let God have it. And I don't think, I, I think that God can handle that. So rail, wail, weep, mourn, cry, yell, scream, write, swear, whatever you need to do for the next few moments to take what's inside and inside and get it out. And after a bit, I'll read a collection of laments from the Psalms, from the Bible.
Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day after day with sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Why? Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Have mercy, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Lord, and deliver me, save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, and they fail me because of all my foes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day by day, but you, you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. God, my God, why have you forsaken us? As a church, we have really missed uh, the joy of being together in worship. I know for myself, I feel that, and I have heard it from many of you. And so this morning, as we were thinking about today and what we might put together uh, and offer as a staff during our staff meeting, uh, we started thinking about lament. And 
I think lament is part of worship. I th- and if it hasn't been, it should be. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm sort of in, this is new ground. I feel like I'm leading out of a, a lack of experience or a, a very small amount of experience. But we started thinking about like, what could it look like for us to lament together and to worship together? So here's what we've come up with. This is your invitation this week. Uh, next Wednesday, June the 3rd, we want to try to gather with social distancing and all the proper safety precautions in mind at church for a service of lament. Uh, so please. I don't suppose I can make a demand, but I would make a very strong recommendation as your pastor. We would expect that if you come, you wear masks and you do so in effort to care for those around you and those who are most vulnerable among us and whom we have contact with. Um, But as an individual or as a family, we want to invite you to write, between now and then, to write, draw, create some kind of lament on a piece of paper, on a canvas, on a shirt, uh, whatever you want. In response to the recent loss of lives, including Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and many others, and other things. Uh, This whole pandemic thing is, it's tough sledding for lots of people. So in response to the hurt and pain and grief many of us are feeling, um, we want to invite you to to like write that down, to create something that would capture the the spirit of your lament. Come to church at 6 p.m. next Wednesday night. And here's how this will go. Uh, At 6.15, we'll sort of begin. So come around 6 and staying six feet from others, individuals, uh, and, and families. And uh, one key to this is to rem- like remain silent. So this will be a silent gathering, um, which does a couple things. I think it honors the spirit of the gathering, but it also uh, addresses some of the safety concerns. Uh, so come, stay six feet from each other, and please stay silent. Uh, we're gonna form a line at the bottom of the stairs in the front of the church. And it's gonna wrap around to, uh, I guess it would be towards Randolph, towards Moochie's, where they used to sell donuts. May they rest in peace. And uh, so we'll, we'll start at the bottom of the stairs, we'll wrap around towards Randolph and then down the street towards the fire station so nobody has to cross, cross the street. There will be markings on the sidewalk every six feet for where people should stand. <clears throat> if you've been to Menards or Chipotle, you, you should be familiar with these by now. Um, but when you make your way, once we begin, when you make your way t- to the church, we're going to invite you to come up the stairs and to remove a push pin that'll be in the door of the church or the doors of the church and to tack your lament to the front of the church. And then when you're done, you'll descend down the other side of the stairs and uh, head back to your car in silence. And really, the, the, the spirit of this is to remember and to honor the life of George Floyd and many others 
who have been, um, whose lives have been taken unjustly, and any number of things that you are wanting and needing to grieve and lament. Uh, <clears throat> I'll say if you're unable or uncomfortable coming, um, we're going to attempt to stream that either on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we're still working out the details of that technologically, but we'll try to make that available uh, so that you can at least view it and possibly even add your lament uh, to the experience digitally. Uh, and we'll be here through uh, 7.30. Uh, someone from the church will be here up until then. So if you can't come right at 6, uh, you can join in as it's happening. So the goal is really threefold. The first is we want to um, practice. We want to learn. We want to like stretch the muscle of lament and as our first response to issues of race and injustice in our community and in our country. Secondly, uh, we want to provide an opportunity for Awaken to gather. Um, COVID, you know, modified, but I miss you. And I, I think it will be an encouragement to see the faces of the community that you call home and that maybe the people that you love. And then third, we want to be in solidarity with people who, who suffer. Um, you cannot lament something you are not familiar with. And if you are not familiar and in solidarity with people who suffer, it's very difficult to lament those realities. And so we wanna be in solidarity with people who are suffering and we hope that the door of our church remains like a living testimony of that fact. So as people wander by in the neighborhood, all likelihood they'll walk up the stairs and read the things that we have written. And so hopefully, those will stand as a testimony to our community and what we're working out uh, like live and um, yeah, as a, as, a, as a living organism. So that's what we wanna do. Next Wednesday night, June the 3rd, 6 p.m., start gathering and at 6.15, the first person will come up and, uh, and we'll begin that worship gathering. Uh, so uh, whether or not you call Awaken Home, uh, you're welcome to come if you're watching this or listening to this and uh, share it with your friends. Um, I think that would be a really beautiful experience. I think it will be a beautiful experience. So uh, between now and then, I want to try to offer just a couple of things that might be helpful, um, things that have come from our learnings as a staff. Um, and I'll start with a book, uh, or, or I'll start with something from a book that we've read called White Awake. It's by a covenant pastor named Daniel Hill. And he begins this book with the story of Nicodemus, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus and in the dark of night, uh, in secret, to ask questions about exactly how this all works, this, this thing that Jesus is talking about, this kingdom. And Jesus begins to tell Nicodemus about this. And... Um, Daniel Hill starts this book called White Awake with this, uh, essentially invites us to pray a, a prayer that, that we can imagine Nicodemus praying, which is, Lord, help me see. I know for me, this has been a, a sort of a mantra, a prayer that I continue to pray over and over again and again that I keep coming back to, Lord, help me see. Where I'm blind, help me to see. Uh, where there is injustice and I'm blind to it, help me to see it. If I don't know it, if I don't see it, then I can't respond to it. So first, Lord, help me to see where there is racism and systemic racism. Help When I'm blind to it, help me to see it. Uh, 
where there is white supremacy in my life or in the life or in the community around me, in the systems that I participate in. Help me to see it, Lord. Uh, where I'm blind and I cannot see, help me to see. So I want to invite you, maybe as a prayer, uh, something you come back to, maybe you write it on a post-it and put it on your mirror in your bathroom when you get ready in the morning. Lord, help me see. Um, whatever it is I'm blind to, whether it's related to this topic or another one, Lord, help me see. And then beyond that, um, we, we were reading a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And in the first chapter or so, she offers kind of four practices for people like me who uh, maybe are beginning this journey and beginning to pay attention more than, beginning to see maybe more than we've seen in the past. And these four things have become really um, grounding for me as a person who's like, okay, yes, my action, my first action shouldn't, my first impulse shouldn't always be what can I do, but after lamenting and feeling, moving towards action, then what? And so these four things have been really grounding for me. And so I want to offer them to you to consider. And the first of that is uh, engage in ongoing self-awareness and self-awareness practices and activities. Um, this is connected to the prayer of Nicodemus. Wake me up. Like, like help me become aware and see what's true and real about the world that I live in and my life. So first, engage in ongoing practices and activities that will help me become more aware of myself and how I'm experienced and how I experience the world. So are there things that you can do that you're not doing or things you can engage in you're not engaged in that are practices, intentional practices of awareness? So maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's times of silence. Maybe it's uh, journaling. But something that will allow you to reflect and become aware in ways that maybe you weren't or aren't yet. Uh, the second thing she encourages is engage in ongoing education. Um, I'm a learner. Uh, one of my top five strengths finders is connected to learning and, and new information. So uh, this comes more naturally, this comes natural to me, but education is important. It's not the end of the, the journey and it can't be the last or the only thing that we do, but becoming educated or moving from ignorance to educated is a important step in the journey. So are there things that you can engage in, whether it's seminars or books or online things, friends, conversations that are educational in nature that will maybe uh, give you an opportunity to see something in a way that you haven't seen it before. So self-awareness, education. And then third, she says, engage in intentional relationship building. Now, this is not the, like, go out and find a bunch of friends who are uh, friends of color and ask them to help you. That's not this. That's not what I'm saying. But it is an invitation to interrogate your relationships. Uh, one of the exercises in White Awake was, like, imagine or think about the books that you're reading, the authors that are influencing your life, the podcasts that you listen to, the music that you listen to, the shows that you watch. Uh, and how many of those people or voices are voices that are different than yours? And truth be told, when I first read that book and I did that exercise, there were very few people who were different than me, who spoke into my life. And that's problematic on a number of levels. So 
Be intentional about relationship building begins with an interrogation of your relationships. Uh, an honest assessment of who are the people that speak into your life and who have a voice in your life. And then, can you become more intentional about the relationships that you cultivate? And I'll say, if this doesn't come from a place of honest belief that your life is less fulfilling if it is homogenous, then go back to steps one and two. Because <laughs> um, if that's not motivating this effort to broaden your relational base, then it, it, may, it may do more harm than good. And lastly, uh, and this is, the, this is maybe the most difficult one, but engage in actual anti-racist practices. Um, again, this is probably way far down the road for some of us, um, but are there friends and community relationships that can help you discern what are actual practices that you can engage in and work towards, uh, that work towards the aim of anti-racism? in policy, in culture, in community, in the relationships, in the systems around you that you experience and live in every day. Um, there are tons of books out there to help you with this. There, you know, one of my wife works with this, this uh, person at, at her job and she's like, people Google things every day. Like Google, Google the crap out of that. You know, anti-racist practices for white people. Um, you start there. Talk to your friends. Talk to your pastors, right? That's, we're, we, we want to help. We want to serve. We want to continue to walk this journey out. Um, so these are, uh, for me, again, these have been grounding kind of practices of engage in ongoing self-awareness, activities and practices. Continue to educate myself. Keep reading. Keep learning. Keep pressing in. Um, be intentional about interrogating the relationships that you have and, uh, and broadening the base of that or the difference in that relational base and then engaging in actual anti-racist practices and policies. Um, so hopefully those are helpful um, and, and, and we'll give you something to think about uh, as, as we continue to engage and press into this as a community. Um, we want to move towards the table and communion together. Uh, and as we do, I wanna hand it off to Mel, and we decided to sort of end with this song that um, we've sung at Awaken before, and I'll let Mel kind of introduce it and give a little context for why we thought it would be good. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, it's good to be together and to gather around this topic, um, something really close to my heart, so I'm glad we're talking about it. And um, I thought of this song because when we've talked about lament before, when we've actually been physically gathered together, we've sang the song together, and it's always been a really meaningful experience for me. Um, it's called Rise Up by a group called Bifrost Arts, and it is a true lament. This song is a cry to God asking, where are you and why aren't you doing anything, and will you please rise up? So if there's any space left in your heart that feels unsearched, or maybe you still need to get there uh, this morning, this song is your opportunity to do that. So I would encourage you to sing along with me. In your um, Awaken Weekly, there should be a link there for lyrics. So if you need to go grab that really quick, pull up the lyrics, um, sing along or read along, I would encourage you to do that. Or put yourself in a physical posture um, that might engage your heart as well as your mind um, as we kind of experience this together. So this is called Rise Up.
wondering, could we ever figure out a way to do that? It just seems like the table is the gospel. So like, why wouldn't we come, come back to that every week, every time we gather? Evidently, it took a global pandemic to get us there, but I, I fear that we may not ever be able to go back uh, once we figure out a way to gather in the same space. So that's a blessing. I think that's good. So as we make our way to the table, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. I've never done this before with real bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood shed for you, a new covenant a new deal between the divine and the human. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. And it is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. Those who have much faith and those who have little. Those who have been here a million times before, those who haven't been here for a long time, and those who maybe have never been here before. Those who have tried to follow and those who have failed. So, come. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come not because I invite you or the church invites you, but because the resurrected, the risen Christ invites you to come and be fed, to be filled up, to be put back together, to receive the good gift, the Eucharist, so that you can be the good gift, the Eucharist. So as you take the bread, receive these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Friends of Awaken, I hope that you know that you are loved. thought of often.
that we as a staff and as a church, to the best of our ability, are holding you, praying for you, and thinking about you. And that we are not alone. That Emmanuel is not just Christmas. It's right here. It's right now. So know that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord is lifting up his face upon you and is gracious unto you. Lifting up his countenance to you and giving you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace, my friends. I hope I see you on Wednesday. Awakening Community. Or on Twitter, Awakening Community. See you next.